If you need help getting Social Security Disability Benefits, then this podcast is for you. Give me 15 minutes and I'll pull back the curtain on disability and reveal the secrets to winning I've learned over the past 25 plus years. Hi, I'm Jonathan Ginsberg and I'm a practicing Social Security Disability Lawyer. I want to help deserving claimants just like you win the benefits you deserve and not one penny less. Now, if you already know you need help today, go to ssdanswers.com for a free and confidential evaluation of your case. It takes just two minutes. That's ssdanswers.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Now, let's start the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jonathan Ginsberg again, and today I have a fascinating conversation with another Jonathan. My guest today is attorney Jonathan Pearson who is a social security disability attorney in Chicago. Our topic is mistakes to avoid in your social security disability case. I learned about Jonathan Pearson by reading his blog, which is at www.disabilitylawyerschicago.com. Jonathan's blog is a little different from the other social security disability blogs that I follow. Uh, He usually highlights a case decided by a federal court or an appeals court and explains how it applies to you as the disability claimant. And if you didn't know, federal appeals court cases are important because these decisions are binding on Social Security. SSA tends to make up the rules as they go along in many cases, and the federal courts serve as a break to this tendency. After following Jonathan's blog for a while, I reached out to him when I had a question about something, Uh, and he was most gracious in responding. We've been friends ever since, and we had a chance to meet and have lunch together at the recent NOSCAR conference here in Atlanta, Georgia. Jonathan has an active practice that covers multiple Chicago-area hearing offices, and he regularly appears before different judges in the cases he tries. Now, let's talk to attorney Jonathan Pearson and learn about the mistakes to avoid when pursuing Social Security Disability Benefits. This is Jonathan Ginsberg, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Jonathan Pearson, who's a Social Security Disability Attorney in Chicago. Uh, Jonathan, welcome. Appreciate you taking the time to, to meet with me. Thank you, Mr. Ginsberg. My pleasure. Happy to, happy to be here. Okay, very good. Well, let's start, I guess, by asking you, how did you get involved in Social Security Disability Law in the first place? So I've kind of always had a soft spot uh, for this area in general. I grew up having multiple family members who suffer from disabilities, and I've always known how difficult life can be uh, suffering with illnesses. So I, I wanted to help. I knew that as a kid and growing up. I wanted to help people during law school. I felt the same way. I discovered uh, my calling, if you will, in law school. I'd rather help people deal with real problems rather than help big businesses or insurance companies make more money. Uh, so. I started out, long story short, just doing criminal defense and some guardianship work in law school shortly after, and uh, I just gravitated uh, towards Social Security work. I was always interested in, in health care and, and going through medical records and health conditions, helping people. So I felt like I could make a difference you know, in juvenile law, helping kids and families, and the same emotion I have when it comes to Social Security disability. I can make a real difference in people's lives. It's a terrible, broken system, and uh, I really get pleasure and and fulfillment out of doing this work. So I've been doing uh, Social Security disability law uh, exclusively uh, since 2006. I started out at a large law firm back then here in in Chicago and have been doing it ever since. 
Okay, yeah, I guess, you know, it's interesting you say that the system is definitely broken, and I know one of the things that I deal with in my practice, and I'm sure you do as well, is just helping clients, you know, understand that the frustration they're feeling is not unique, that this is a no. very, very messed up system, and, and it's, it's frustrating not just for them, but for the attorneys as well, and, and you know, we all wish it would work better, but I don't know, I don't have a lot of hope that that's going to happen anytime <laughs> soon, unfortunately. But, um, all right, so you're yeah. in Chicago. Uh, um, and what areas do you so what, what obviously I assume you handle the, the hearing offices in Chicago. What other um, hearing offices yes. do you work in? <clears throat> so uh, pretty much the entire north area of Illinois, northeastern Illinois. Uh, my main office is located in downtown Chicago, and I have satellite offices set up in the surrounding suburbs just to make myself more accessible to people who aren't able to travel far from home. I know it can be very difficult. Uh, and I'm local. That, that's you know the, the main thing. I'm local in Chicago. I know the hearing offices. I know the judges, and I know the staff at Social Security offices. And and it just helps uh, to be present, to be local, and help people uh, in the area. So geographically, uh, Northern Illinois, I'd say as far west as Rockford, maybe as, as far south as Peoria. And then I also do take people uh, who call me in Northwestern Indiana. Hmm. Okay. So. Uh... I guess it's kind of interesting because with my practice, I'm in Atlanta, and you know, occasionally I'll go to Birmingham or I'll go up to Charlotte or something like that. But uh, for the most part, I'm in North Georgia. Do you find a big difference in uh, the, the, the hearing offices, the way they operate, depending on the state that you're in? Um, it, now it's about the same. There was a time where people would joke about a hearing office in Indiana where it's, you know, the judges are all brand new. It's where they train new judges, and it's where claims go to die, so to speak, for lack of a better phrase. So there are different staffs. There are different mindsets, you know, conservative versus liberal judges, which is a whole different conversation. But um, there, there used to be large differences among hearing offices. Now uh, I think it's gotten a bit more consistent up here, at least in this region. Yeah. Yeah, well, I know in Atlanta there's a number of different hearing offices, and all the hearing offices, the percentage of approvals is about the same. And, mm-hmm. you know, in Atlanta we're probably, you know, in the 45% approval rate, but I know some states, I see some states where the average is closer to 30%, so uh, it does vary by region, but uh, certainly not the, the days of, you know, 10 years ago when it was 60%, so it's definitely a lot more difficult. No, no, definitely not. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about what I'd like to talk to you about today is, is kind of mistakes to avoid because I know that, you know, this is a system that there's not a lot of instruction. People file their claims without really knowing exactly what they're trying to prove or what to do, and they sure. do make mistakes, both in filing applications sure. as well as hearing. Tell me, you know, I, I've got my own ideas about this, but what is, in your experience, has been the biggest mistake that somebody might make when filing for disability? There, there are a few uh, biggies that I've just seen over the years, um, somewhat related, um, but a little bit different, which I can touch upon if you'd like. Uh, the big thing is Social Security is such an odd process in that it's very negative, as you know, right? We, we focus mm-hmm. on what we can't do in a work setting, what we can't do in a social setting, what we can't do just in, in daily life, uh, what we can't lift, can't handle, both physically and emotionally. So it's natural that claimants like to overestimate what they're capable of doing. Um, you know, and I see this all the time on, on a work history or, or EDL, you know, function report, uh, daily activity form. Maybe somebody can do chores, right? Maybe you're able to walk five dogs or three dogs or, you know, look over some other pets. Um, maybe you like to try to stay active and walk around the block. 
uh, the big thing is, and the big issue is, Social Security can spin all of this against you. Uh, I would say people need to be brief in their explanations and any paperwork, at the same time properly convey to Social Security how and why you struggle. Uh, I can take dogs as an example, even house chores as an example, if you will. Uh, everybody loves dogs. Uh, claimants may state they walk their dogs for 30 minutes every day, pick up after them, uh, and that's it. And a pretty harmless statement, right? I would say in general, yeah. Uh, and that's the wrong way to look at it in Social Security terms. Uh, Social Security can spin it around and say, great, you can be a dog walker, denied. Or mm-hmm. um, chores, it's the same type of thing. You know, you need to focus on difficulties. That's what I advise people to do. You know, walking a dog can be strenuous. Maybe you have foot pain after walking a block. Maybe your back hurts from degenerative disc disease or shortness of breath due to COPD or pulmonary conditions. Um, Grip strength is weak from neuropathy symptoms, so it's hard to hold on to a leash after 10 minutes. Uh, maybe you don't even walk the dog and just let them out into the yard. Uh, so the point is you need to explain all this to Social Security um, so they understand how limited you are. Uh, the same thing with, with house chores. You know, if you say you wash dishes, um, that's not enough. You need to explain what happens after doing so for a period of time or dusting around the house. What happens after some time? How do fumes affect you? you know, how does being on your feet affect you? Uh, I see people say they can cook. That's another common, common trap in, during hearings that a judge would ask about. You know, are you able to cook and prepare simple meals? And uh, the, the point is you need to differentiate. You know, are you preparing five-course meals or are you really heating up frozen meals three minutes a day because you can't tolerate any more? And, you know, so Social Security makes a lot of assumptions if you don't elaborate uh, on how limited you are performing various activities. So those are... I think one of the things you said which really resonates with me is you have to be so specific. You can't just say, you know, I can't do this very long, but you can say I can do it for five minutes, then this is the result. Um, because, right. again, I think you're right, judges, you know, and not that they're trying to trick you, but they're asking questions, and every question they ask you ultimately is about what you can and cannot do. They're not asking you yeah. if you can walk the dog because they care about whether you can walk a dog. They're translating that into does that mean this person can work, right? So that's really right. kind of what, what's going on. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I think being very specific. I, I tell my clients, you know, you want to talk about how, how many minutes you can do something at the distance. Do you find that's something that's, that people should really focus on, is being real specific with distances and measurements? Yes, as long as they explain how, they, how they're impacted. You don't want to say, you know, I can walk uh, around the block five times a day and leave it at that. It's important to say how you feel after that. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, let's talk about uh, when they're filling out the forms, just the, the, the initial application or the, the disability report, mm-hmm. any mistakes sure. that you see people are making when they're filling out the forms? And, of course, there's just this huge volume of forms that people have to fill out when they apply sure. for disability. What are the mistakes people make and they should avoid when they're filling out the forms? Sure. Two, two very recent examples in, in my practice that I guide people about all the time. Number one uh, is common sense, and it doesn't necessarily uh, deal with filling out the actual forms, but it's it's principle, um, one, people, one mistake people make, they don't fill out the paperwork. You know? Really? People get paperwork, they're either overwhelmed by it, you know, you've seen the work history reports that are generated, the function reports, the ADLs. Um, people just ignore it. They don't fill it out. They think Social Security has all of the information 
um, and they let it go, and, that, and they're facing a denial in, in that way. So I always recommend uh, everybody, if, if you get paperwork, fill it out. Um, yeah. Don't just ignore it. No, I think the other thing as well, because I know people say, well, they don't give me enough room. You can, add, you can attach an extra piece of paper. So you, you know, can. There, should never be, yeah, there should never be a point where you say, well, I don't have enough room to fill this out. But that's a very exactly. interesting point. I didn't really thought about it, but you're absolutely right. If you don't fill the paperwork out, um, there's no way for them to really know what's going on. Although, I, I don't know, what's your take on this? I mean, I, I kind of wonder who, who actually reads all this the stuff they fill <laughs> out and, and, you know, what, what they actually do with it because uh, this is just volume of paper and they tend to ask the same questions over and over and over. Um, so I know that can be right. very frustrating for people as well. And I think you know the other thing when I talk to people about filling out the forms, and that is that ultimately this is about work capacity, right? Because when you're right, for exactly, yeah, you know, the ultimate issue is you have the capacity for work. So they're not, exactly. you know, they're asking for you know issues about that. Um, exactly. So that's, I think that that's really the, the big thing. What about and hearings? Um, go ahead. Good. I didn't mean to interrupt. Don't know where to begin. Get my free Secrets to Getting Approved Survival Kit. Inside the kit, I discuss such things as how do you know if you have a case, what to do if you're denied, how to avoid common mistakes, and my ever-popular how to avoid trick questions from the judge. Subscribing is free and easy. Just visit ssdanswers.com and look for the Survival Kit for instant access. Remember, time is eroding your position every day. Don't delay. Act now. That's ssdanswers.com for your free survival kit. Oh, no, no, that's fine. I, I know work history. That, that is another concern that I, I raise every day with, with claimants. Um, and touching on what you said, uh, you know, people don't realize how much time is spent scrutinizing and analyzing, you know, going over skills and, and all these what seem like menial tasks can, can make or break a disability claim. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why it's very important to fill out the work history reports. Uh, certainly, you know, call an expert like yourself or myself or any disability attorney to get advice if you have any questions about work history. It's just so important. I mean, take a clear example uh, I'm sure you've seen it on your paperwork of claimants who have passed work, say, like floor manager at a steel plant or a manufacturing factory, you know, very heavy physical work. And uh, I see a lot, a lot of times claimants simply write manager, supervise 10 people on his work history forms, and they submit it, and that's it. And I get that back. I get a denial letter. You know, they'll do this before they before I take on the case. I get the denial back, and I look at the work history reports that they've submitted, and they could have elaborated so much more. And that's really where a lot of my time is spent. I guide people through the process, as I'm sure you do. So, you know, Social Security could incorrectly classify that work as just a garden variety manager. Um, all they were doing was supervising. It's not physically demanding work, and they could transfer to other supervisory roles, when in reality, uh, that's not at all the case, and it needed to be explained how, you know, there's very heavy work involved. Oftentimes, it's more of a lead worker, if you will, type of role where they need to fill in for employees on a daily basis and perform the actual tasks, uh, very, very heavy work, industry-specific machinery, no paperwork or clerical work. Um, so it is in the garden variety managerial role, and it has to be really explained to Social Security. So the work history reform is very often overlooked, underappreciated form, and it's very, very important. 
Yeah, no, I think that that's a very good point because you're right. You know, the you know one of the things, and I've I've written about this before, is that Susquehanna uses a you know a, a resource called the Dictionary of Occupational Titles, at least vocational sure. ones do, and that hasn't been updated what since the 1990s. I think some of these jobs even earlier. Right. And so you know, if, like you said, if you say, well, I'm a manager or I'm a you know, a, I, you know, so let's take this the the, the the classic surveillance system monitor. Well, you know, what does that actually mean in real life? If you just give a shortcut and say, this is the title of my job, that may mean one thing to you, but it may mean something completely different to Social Security. So you exactly. obviously have to be very, 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 very specific. And I think your point about the working manager is very, very correct, because I think I, I see a lot of these situations where somebody, you know, is a manager in name only. They have a little bit of exactly. authority, but you know, no authority to you know, hire and fire or to make job descriptions, and they're actually doing the work, or sometimes working more physically demanding than the, the actual other employees, but they sort of, well, I'm a supervisor. And so security gets the wrong idea, and that can follow you, right? Because it, it's just uh, it's one right. of these things that gets on the paperwork, and then the judge sees it, and that's what they assume. So um, right. absolutely, that's a very, very good point. You've you got to really explain what that's all about. Um, right. Um, as far as when somebody applies, and, and I guess let's, let me talk more about mindset. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer that when you apply for benefits, you always should sort of keep in the back of your mind, this is about your work capacity. This is not about your medical condition per se, but it's about how your medical condition impacts your capacity for work. What do you tell people? Is it, is it something like that? Do you, do you give them any sort of overview when they're filling out the forms or getting ready for a hearing? What do you tell them as far as what to uh, well, my mindset is is different. I, I separate when I take on new clients. I, I I separate hearing level clients and claimants from application reconsideration claimants. Uh, overall, the same things to consider, but a little bit of a different approach. Um, you know, just talking about applications. Um, let me see. I would say just put pride aside, you know, for lack of a better phrase. When you're filling out the initial paperwork and, and considering the Social Security process, just focus on being yourself, um, explaining how miserable things have gotten, uh, and take the time to make sure you're correctly describing not only the medical conditions but your symptoms and how limited you are because diagnoses, as you know, are only half of the battle. Social Security considers right. how limited you are, and if you don't explain that, they're not going to consider it. So, uh, you know, there's that issue and also work history like we were just talking about. Um, so I really tell people as they're thinking about it, especially if they're calling me for the first time and not and have never looked at a single page or web page of Social Security regulation or procedure, uh, just be prepared. You know, preparation, uh, be honest and open. Uh, make sure you can clearly describe all medical history, at least since you've stopped working, uh, all medical history, uh, work history is best you can describe it and have that all handy at your fingertips to provide it whenever uh, Social Security asks you about it. Yeah, no, I th and I think your point about putting pride aside, that really kind of resonates with me because I find especially my, my male clients you know, who've been you know, supporting themselves and their family for years, it's a very tough word, the word disability. Right, it's so hard. Being disabled. Right, it's so, so, so you don't really, nobody wants to think of themselves as being disabled and having to turn to the government for help, but if you're applying for benefits, you have to give a realistic picture. You can't overstate your capacity. Um, right. And you also can't think about it on, on, in terms of this is a good day I'm having. You know, what is an average day like and what is it really like? Right. And don't be afraid to, yeah, I mean, these are, 
these are these are I think this makes a lot of sense and I think it really you know anyone listening I think you should just really keep that in mind that this is about you're trying to to, to demonstrate to social security that you have a real a real issue that would prevent you from being reliable so don't you know don't overstate your capacities you know, right. don't, don't be over brave yeah absolutely absolutely that, that's a very very good point um, all right, um, anything else that you can think of that, that people, um, when they're applying for disability, they're filling out the forms, they're going through the process, things that they should try to avoid doing, mistakes that you just see uh, again and again, or have we covered it all? Yeah, there are, there are plenty of, of mistakes, sadly. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. I see this every day. Uh, yeah, when applying, you know, I always tell my clients, don't assume that Social Security has all of your information or paperwork. Um, I think it's very important if you apply online, you know, you can print out the receipt, of course. If you apply in person, get a receipt. If you apply over the phone, make sure a receipt is sent to you in the mail. Uh, Social Security loses track of, of claims fairly often. Uh, so you need to protect yourself by being prepared and really keeping a paper trail. So that's really one mistake. You know, I, I think I got a sense of complacency. That, that's, not a, that, that's not correct. But, you know, just assuming Social Security is there to help and they have all your information, and they are going to handle it properly. I think that's not the case, and people really need to take control of, of their claims, and that's what we as attorneys do as well. Yeah, no, look, I think if you're mailing something to Social Security, do it certified mail. Certified mail. Right, so you can prove they, they got it, because, of course, we can do it. Unfortunately, now you can do it electronically. Um, and right. You can get our receipt. But even then, they, they, you know, that's, that's something that people don't, you know, they, they're always amazed to find out that Social Security will lose cases, things fall through the cracks, nothing happens. You don't hear something right. for months and months, get on the phone. And, of course, that's what, as an attorney, that's what we would be doing, find out what's going on, because you're right. I mean, people, they do lose track of things, and it's, uh, right. it is incredible. Yeah, it's really, really crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah, aren't anything else that comes to mind, or, or uh, I, get, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I think you certainly raised some very, very good points about, uh, you know, just really being your own advocate in some respects. And of course, if you have an attorney, the attorney will do that. Well, let me ask you this: When do you typically get involved in your cases? Do you get involved at initial, at the reconsideration, at the hearing stage? What, what point in time do you typically get involved? Um, all stages, uh, usually. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like we were talking about, there are a lot of uh, pitfalls. Uh, so I, I do get involved. I'm happy to help claim and supply at the initial stage. I think it's important to get advice uh, from day one, you know, yeah. and I can have more control uh, over the claim. I can advise people to handle things and think about things in the right way and uh, just keep the, create a, a paper trail from day one support a paper trail and keep focused and, and organized. So I think it's, it's very important. I'm, I'm always happy to, to jump in at any stage. You know, hearing, yeah, I, I take on claimants who have a hearing schedule, you know, two months down the road, I'll look at the file with them and, and go over everything in detail. So any stage yeah. in the process. Well, I think, you know, my, my thoughts have changed a little bit. I used to think that really the attorney, there's no reason to get an attorney involved early on at the initial, but I, I've kind of changed on that because I think that, you know, setting the right, a stage for your case and making sure that all the limitations are described and that you're describing right. limitations properly makes a big difference. You know, the other thing I'm starting to really tell my clients when they're applying, even if they don't hire me, is, you know, call your doctor and get the correct address for medical record requests. Exactly. I mean, how many times have you seen it where, um, you know, Social Security will send requests for medical records and um, it never gets received by the doctor, and therefore they don't get them right. back? 
you know, stuff like that. So just little simple things. And, again, you know, as attorneys, we're going to do that. But, you know, if you're doing this without an attorney at the initial part, because some people are going to do that, you know, take a little time to make sure that you've got all your, uh, your addresses correct. So, right. That's okay. valid. That's very important. Um, let me ask you this. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, where do they find you on the Internet? Oh, so my website, it's www.disabilitylawyerschicago.com. Uh, it contains a lot of, of information about the process as a whole, uh, medical conditions, blog articles, a lot of information, and uh, consultation is always free, and I'm here to help uh, if, if anybody has any questions or wants to call. Very good. And by the way, your blog is excellent. I have it on my, uh, my feed. I read the articles because you post a lot of uh, information about case, important cases that have come down and kind of what that means in real life. You know, there, there's not a lot. I mean, Social Security is one of these areas where, you know, a lot of the cases are done at hearing and maybe the appeals council, but not a lot of them are reported cases in federal court, but there's some that are, and those are right. very, very important. And you, you tend to highlight those and explain what it means because I think that's, uh, that's one thing that, uh, you know, again, you know, general public's not going to be necessarily aware of, but it can be some real important shifts in the way Social Security views things. So I sure. appreciate that you do that, and, and I really uh, get a lot out of that. So. That's sure. Oh, thank you for the, the kind words. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay, well, listen, I appreciate your time. Uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground here. And, uh, again, and anybody who's in the Chicagoland area wants, uh, wants a very, very capable attorney, uh, Jonathan just gave us information, I would recommend that you reach out to him. Uh, so for now, this is Jonathan Ginsburg with Jonathan Pearson, and thank you very much uh, for your, your time here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Thank you very much, Mr. Ginsburg. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Subscribe to this podcast for regular updates at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this podcast useful, then please give me a five-star review because it helps others see the value of my information. Thank you in advance. For a 100% free and confidential evaluation of your case, visit ssdanswers.com. That's ssdanswers.com. Don't delay. Act now.